Okay, good morning everyone. Welcome back. We are uh, continuing our Derech Hashem series at the end of the week over here. Beautiful Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, Kodesh, coming to you live from the Summerton Community Code of Summerton, Philadelphia. And we have a very hush of a guest this morning. Beautiful gem of a chassan was with us. Uh, um, not just so chashiv to have this chashiv a guest, but the chashivas of this chashiv a guest is that it's just a, a few hours away from the chup over here. And uh, we're still zeicha, still zeicha to have him over here. Erev Shabbos, the Eifruf. So, um, on that note, on that note, let's jump right back into where we are in Derech Hashem. We are in Chelek Dalad, Perek Dalad, Simen Hey, Dalad, Dalad, Hey. And again, Perek Dalad and Chelek Dalad is the Perek of Kriya Shema. This Perek belongs to Shema. Rambachal has been telling us what Shema is all about, what's going on when we say Shema. All the different kavanah, the different levels that are going on. And so, so far, we had two basics in Shema. And that's Yichud HaBayrei. Gilu Yichudoi. Being Miyachad HaKadosh Baruch would be a better way of saying it. Hashem Elkin Hashem Echad. Miyachad, the Rebbe on so many different levels. Three different levels we talked about Yichud. And we talked about Kabbalah's Ol Malchusoi. We talked about the three different aspects of being Kabbalah Shem's Malchus. We talked about what that's doing for the Bria. We talked about that, uh, that's doing for us. And we ended off yesterday with understanding... The, the uh, ultimate, the Ramchal's um, clarity that he shares with us with the ultimate madrig of having a Bria, the Bria is not here. When we talk about his spotless, his spotless of the Bria, his spotless of oneself, doesn't really mean that the ultimate objective of everything is that everything should just be a chalik of the Rebbe and not exist. The ultimate objective of everything, it's... it's, it's Said over in an ever so slightly different way, but the difference that it makes is so significant, a tremendous, tremendously, you know, uh, different kind of approach altogether, which is that the ultimate tafka, the bria, and everything within the bria, its objective is to be a klikibel for HaKadosh Baruch Hu as much as possible. The, the Bria still exists, we still exist, the food exists, the Torah exists, everything down here exists, but it exists to be brought to a level where it is bako mikokol, a klikibel, a vehicle to be mekabel, the Shechina, the presence of the Rebbe Nishalayim, the Oyrus and the Shef of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and that is what it's, that, 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 that is realizing its purpose. And so not the shot that we're here, we exist to not exist. We are present to be absent, to be misbattle, and, and uh, to cease to exist. And that's the ultimate measure of Fakir. Our existence is there to bring the Rebbe into our existence. And that's done in a way of us becoming a clique people. That was Dalad. So now we move on to Hey. We're going to see another aspect of Shema, another Kavanah to have in mind, which is really connected to one of the previous kavanas, but it becomes its own new kavanah with a new twist. And the Ramchal is, is going to give himself a lot of room to explain this. And that's the idea of Mesiris Nefesh. We know that in Shema, well, you're supposed to have in mind, it's brought down when you say Hashem Elkin Hashem Echad. At the end of the Echad, you're supposed to have in mind that how, how much is Hashem really Echad? How one is He? And how only is He? How unified is God really? To the degree that I'm willing to give up everything for the sake of God, even my own life. So, you know, this is brought down the kavon of Messias Nefesh, that you should have that in mind when he says Shema, at the end of Shema, have in mind that you're even willing to give up your life for the Rebbein Shalom. And the Ramchal is now going to address that and tie that into everything we had till now and explain and explore what that's all about. Why in Shema, 
are we supposed to be having in mind that we should be Meister Nefesh? And why is that important to have that in mind on a daily basis? What is that doing when we have that in mind? Because to shift sideways, we could ask a question of either there's a mitzvah There is a mitzvah to sanctify God's name. And that mitzvah requires us to be prepared to give up our life to sanctify God's name. It's true, there is a mitzvah like this. That if Chaz the guy would come and say, convert to religion X or we're going to kill you, convert to religion Y or we're going to torture you, so Avada, the, the, the answer always has to be, okay, go ahead and kill me, go ahead and torture me. V'nikdash t'b'seich b'nei Yisrael requires us to take our loyalty to God to the grave, to the auto de fe, to the torture chamber. That's how much we have to be loyal to the Rebbein Shalom. So on the one hand, that's a miss of the but why it, it, does that translate into uh, having to have that in mind every day, having that kavana every day, twice a day by Shema? Why do I have to have that in mind? You know, just wait for, the, for, the, uh, for, the, for that challenge to come, and that's when we'll worry about it. That's when we'll deal about with it. Why do we have that in mind twice a day on a daily basis, on a constant basis? And what's the purpose of that? So that's what the Ramchal is going to discuss now, what's going on with that and what, that, what that's doing and how that is going to tie in with Shema. So again, Dalit, Dalit, hey, here we go. Vihine. Mitanoi ha-mitzvah hazois. From the... Um, the um, conditions and the requirements of how one does this mitzvah, this mitzvah being the mitzvah of Shema. If you want to do Shema properly, you have to have some point in your kavana, at some point in saying Shema, the kavana, the mindset, the intention of, you're willing, you're prepared to give up your life for God's oneness. That's how much you mean it, and that's how true it is, and that's how absolute it is that even if I have to give up my life, I'm prepared to give up my life, rather than betray that truth. Misportray that truth. I have to be prepared to accept upon myself any type of torture, any type of death, the most agonizing, awful, you know, the Asura Haruge Malchus, they went through this, they subjected themselves to this, even the, the, the awful, awful, horrific and horrendous deaths of the Haruge Malchus of Rebbe Kiva Vechaveirov, I have to be prepared to accept any of that to stick to, to this truth, to proclaim the, the oneness of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and not misportray it, and not betray it with accepting anything else. And when a Yid has that in mind when he says Shema, Hashem Hashem Echad, and the Sfarim bring down, you should either have it in mind during Echad, I think the Chai Adam, I believe, the Achzachmir, the Chai Adam says to have it in mind right after Echad, but the agreement is to have it in mind at the end of Shema, Hashem Echad, how much is Hashem Echad? Hashem is so Echad that, uh, that, that, that even if it means sticking to that truth, sticking to that reality, or giving up my life, I give up my life. I, I, or, or rather, rather, preserving my life, rather. I give up my life. That's how important it is to proclaim Hashem as being one. When we have that in mind, Hashem. We have in mind well, when, when we, when, rather, when a, when a Yid does that, he's having in mind that um, that um, let me back up. I think I think I still said it. Started off the sentence the wrong way. Sorry. When a Yid has that in mind, it's actually considered in Shemayim. And in reality, it's written down in the records as if you actually did it. <clears throat> when you have that in mind, it's as if you actually um, 
perform that, as if you actually gave up your life. So when Yid says, and before your eyes it flashes all the, 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 the possibilities in terms of the worst possible torture, the most awful, painful type of death that, and, that, that you could ever be subjected to um, under threat of giving up your, your belief in God and proclaiming allegiance to, uh, to Avodah Zarah, when you have in mind that you're willing to do even the worst, to, to, to subject yourself to the worst type of torture, the worst type of death, that is if you actually did it. What an amazing thing. All you have to do is just think about it. That's how much Hashem is achad. I'm prepared to give up my life for you, God. I'm prepared to subject myself to the most ter- to terrible, painful torture for you, HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It's as if you actually did it. Okay? So that's what you have in mind when you say Shema. And that's the result. Now we've got to explain what the Pshat in this is. Okay? What, what, what's the Pshat in this? Why? Again, as we ask, the basic question is, it's one thing to give me a mitzvah that I should, you know, if the situation should ever arise, that he finds himself in such an assignment. He's got to be ready. He's got to do it. is to do it. Why should there be another aspect of just thinking about this twice a day? We don't find that by other mitzvahs. You know, uh, there's a mitzvah, you have a, buy a house, and there's a, access to an open roof, there's a mitzvah to make a fence around that roof. Maka. We don't find that there's an Indian that twice a day to have kavana that if it should ever happen that I find myself in possession of such a house that requires a maka, so twice a day I'm going to think about building a maka. Twice a day I'm going to think about doing shiloh hakein. You don't find this by other mitzvahs that there's an Indian to think about the mitzvah and to be mechavin that I'm prepared to do the mitzvah and if I'm mechavin I'm prepared to do that mitzvah is this how I'm mamashed that mitzvah? For some reason when it comes to v'niktashti to Kedosh Hashem we do find this so this is the unspoken question over here that needs to be addressed. What, what, what's the pshat? That by this mitzvah of Niktashti, there's an end to think about it twice a day, and it's actually, as we would say, toing life, it's accomplishing something in the Bria twice a day. To consider as if I did that twice a day, what there's something obviously up with this particular mitzvah of sanctifying God's name through giving up your life. But let's throw out one more question, which is a very important question, I think, which will help guide us through the rest of this paragraph. And it's a question really based on what we saw yesterday. We saw this, this, this now seems to be this idea of Messias Nefesh, and thinking about Messias Nefesh, seems to be a direct contradiction to what we had yesterday. We began by summarizing that idea this morning. Um, that the purpose of this Brio, we're not here to disappear. The Rebbeisham didn't create a Mitzias for the Mitzias to be misbattle. He didn't create presence for the presence to become absent. Rather, we're here to not to bring ourselves up to Rebbeisham, that we disappear, that we are no longer around. We're here to, to be down here in the realm of the finite, in this Brio, to bring the Rebbeisham down into the Brio. That's the goal. That's the objective. Bring the Rebbeinu down here. And the Shaila is uh, the Kiddush Hashem. Mesir's Nefesh seems to be the exact opposite. He seems to be going from one paragraph to the next. Mamish, you know, switching gears over here, doing an about phase, going from this discussion of the Bria is not here to be misbatzah to disappear to to self destruct. It's here to bring Hashem into the Bria. And suddenly we're talking about Mesir's Nefesh, which seems to be Mamish, if any, any anything but that. That's about self destruction. It's about being misbat to bring myself back up to the Rebbe So how do we put these two ideas together? Let's now see what the Ramchal is going to do with this idea of Kiddush Hashem. Says the Ramchal, From just having this in mind, just thinking about the fact that you're prepared to give up your life for God's sake, for God's name, for God's oneness, is bring down... Tikkunim Gedolim is making the Bria perfected and bring light, Oiris Shefa, into the Bria, the same way we saw until now. The thing about Yichud, making Hashem one, 
um, brings perfection and shleimus into the Bria, making Hashem as Malchus, the only Malchus, brings shleimus in. So think about that I'm going to give up my life for God's name, for God's sake, is also bringing shleimus into the world, bring perfection and harmony to the world. How so? Vizet. So the Ramchal is going to, to answer that question, he's going to take us on a whole journey once again through um, certain basics in the Bria. So this is why this paragraph is a little bit on the longer side. He's going to take us once again through areas that we've gone through before, understanding the, 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 the building blocks in the Bria, the building blocks of ra, of evil, and how evil works and the parameters within which evil exists. And that's going to bring us back to the concept of Messias Nefesh, giving up one's life. It can bring us back to what that's doing for the world. So, Lamarzen. Shemisidre ha'chachma ha'l-yayna b'nevroim u'metziyusayim hu. From the system, from the properties of the system that the Rebbein Shalalem has um, running over here is, She'yimatsu ha'nemtsayim kulam b'madregi yudua. All the different set pieces, all the different elements in the Bria are there, each one at its own station, each one in it, how it operates. There are a lot of different elements in the world, a lot of different parts, a lot of different cogs and wheels, in a physical sense and certainly in a spiritual sense, and each one has its own definition, each one has its own operating mode, and they're all there to intermesh and interlock to bring the world to perfection, to harmony, whether I'm a, taking an active role or whether I'm taking a passive role, as we saw a few days ago. But everything is established and, 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 and perfectly um, created in, 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 in the, within its properties of how it has to function to do its part and bring the Bria torch lamps, only torch lamps. Everything in the Bria is created this way, including elements of Ra, which the Ramchal talks about immediately. From within this system is, there's got to be room for darkness, room for the absence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The Bria only works and only bring creation to completion if there's room for evil, if there's room for darkness, if there's room for the absence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. We need that for so many different reasons. We just need it for Bechira. We need it for Schar We need it for balancing, balancing the ultimate cosmic balance, balancing the books. Many, many different reasons we've seen so far. There has to be Choshech. There has to be room an element of Toma of Toma is not just Chayshech Toma is the kind of taking Chayshech and 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 and, and um, um, reinforcing Chayshech and making a pursuit of Chayshech making a pursuit of darkness the Toma has to be present it has to be able to to rear its ugly head spread its ugly wings and 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 be able to proliferate Toma it has to be able to build up People have to be able to choose Chayshech. They have to be able to create Tomo. They have to be able to uh, in- increase the magnitude of Tomo in the, in the world, again, for the world to, 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 to function according to Hashem's plan. However, again, like everything else in the world, it's defined, parametized, and contained by Hashem. Hashem determines it. Tomo, Chayshech, Ra, evil is no different. Yes, there is room for evil, and there's room for bad people to do bad things, and there's room for bad people to spread badness and evilness to the world, but there's a limit even to how far that can go. Ra has a natural check, has a natural limit, a point of ad khan. Here, till here, and no further. There's only so far that evil can go, even as evil and as wicked and as terrible as people get. Akash Baruch Hu put a cap on, on the natural extent, on the powers of Ra, 
The powers of darkness are, are, are uh, limited, have a natural limitation that they can never get totally out of control. They can never completely overtake the entire world. It's impossible. It's impossible for the entire Bria to become um, abject Tuma, to become only wicked, only evil, for Tuma to, to, to become so powerful, the agents behind Ra to become so um, extant that the, the extent of their rule covers now the entire world and then they, they have complete absolute power and absolute authority, even though technically speaking something is like that is conceivable, but Hashem set up the world that it is impassable. It's conceivable, but impassable. Ra can never get total power. It always is going to be checked that there are limits to how much Ra can pull off. Um, and that's because this already happened once before, and Hashem had to recreate the world. If things would get out of control, that Ra has now absolute power, absolute authority. Ribayisham would have to start over, would have to destroy the world. If the world goes to the point of total allegiance with, with Ra, that is now a world that has earned total destruction. That's a world that, that is now um, untenable. It is has been encountered an, an intractable, incorrigible problem. It has to be destroyed. And Hashem didn't create a world to destroy the world. This is very much in line with what we saw yesterday. The world was not created to be destroyed. The world's created with an objective, with a goal in mind, to bring that world to Elam Haba, to bring humanity, Klai Yisrael, to Elam Haba. Therefore, the world has to be created with an internal check on the powers of Ra. The powers of Ra, just are, there's only so much power they can ever get. They're, they're limited. They're limited. There's only so much they can do. You know, there's only so much they, they're, they're, they are a weapon of mass destruction, but the, 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 the extent of that destruction is, is limited. It's limited. It's like, you know, you have a, a mad dictator in a country and that country gets out of control and he designs, um, you know, super destructive missiles. But the technology is such that there's just a, the, the missiles only have a limited range. And the best missile in the world, um, the best missile in the world nowadays has, has limited range. China may have missiles that can reach America, that's true, but China doesn't have missiles that can reach China and the other way around. They're going to go all the way around the globe. No missile can go that far. There's a natural check, a natural limit. Any weapon of mass destruction has a gvul, has an arkan. So when HaKadosh Baruch Hu allows for the system of Ra, the system of Toma, it has a gvul, there is an arkan, because if there wouldn't be an arkan, that would mean there is a possibility that the world itself may come to a point that it's going to have to be destroyed, that there won't be any you know, um, any, any tzaddik, any toiv that's a redeeming toiv in the world that will that will preserve and save the world from destruction. And that is, in HaKadosh Baruch Hu's plan, impassable. Because the Rebbeisham, again, did not make a world to destroy the world. Aye, the first time around, apparently he did. What happened before the Mabel? What changed after the Mabel? Before the Mabel, this did happen. The world became so out of control, so so incorrigible that it did have to be destroyed. What changed, what shifted, that's not for this, this morning's discussion. That, that would take us way beyond the scope of, of this, but it, but it, it is clear there was a bria 
before the Mabel, there was a Bria after the Mabel. The Bria before the Mabel didn't have the Simon of the Keshas, didn't have the rainbow, didn't have the bris, this treaty that HaKadosh Baruch Hu made. All these things changed, yes, after the Mabel, that the Rebbe started the world once again. We had the world 2.0. There's a world that Hashem made a bris, a treaty, a pact with that Hashem's not going to destroy the world. So, getting back to the, the Ramchal over here, what that translates into is... As bad as the world can get, it's never going to be totally, it's never going to go up in nuclear armageddon. And this is also reassuring to us. You know, we as Yidin, we have Amuna, and Amuna really makes the world a much easier place to, uh, to, to um, inhabit. When you don't have Amuna, you don't have basic belief in God, the world can become a very scary place. And there's people out there that are very scared by the prospect of living in the world. They love to have somewhere else to live because the world's a scary place because they're, they're constantly up late at night thinking about what? Global what? Global warming. That's right. Somebody going to break into my house and kill me? Nightmare scenarios. Global warming. Um, nuclear, war. nuclear war. Total, you know, they call that mutual assured destruction. Right? Mad. Mutual assured destruction. We, have, we were talking earlier about uh, the nuclear uh, drills from the 60s. So there's people that are up late at night worrying about, but, you know, this crazy guy has nuclear codes, he's going to launch missiles. The Neshama Zohaban and Aliyah, Mishra Stern. And they stay up late at night, and, and the world becomes a very scary place. So what do you do about global warming? I don't know, not much to do about it, you know. Stop driving cars, I'll do my part, right? Um, don't use coal furnaces. Don't use electricity. Don't use matches. Just go to the stream and catch fish with your two hands and eat them raw. You're doing your part to eliminate the carbon footprints. Um, what do you do about um, the threat of nuclear war? So the only thing to do is to move to Wyoming, Montana, make yourself a nuclear bunker 100 feet underground and stack it up with um, canned peas Right? The only problem is... hundred years worth of <laughs> Right, right. The only thing is, like, you can't really do that without creating a tremendous carbon footprint. So, I don't know if you can worry about both. Worry about global warming and worry about nuclear destruction because, because um, it takes a lot of power to make this underground bunker. But in any case, the world is a very, very scary place. Um, the world is an extremely um, scary place without Amuna. Um... We'll be on the topic of, um, oh, you know, Hanukkah's coming up. I once saw a heartwarming suggestion. A heartwarming suggestion. This is a few years ago, and there was, uh, there was a, a Jewish movement. Um, and the best movements, the most heartwarming and impressive movements are always the ones that are started by the Jews and run by the Jews. And there was, this was being passed on and forwarded, but it was a real movement started by real Jews. We're not probably really Jewish, not in the sense of like being in line with maybe real Jewish values and real Jewish hashkaf, and I'm not sure which rab- rabbinic authorities they consulted with before they went, went public with this, but they went public and it went a, a bit viral. Anyway, they, had a, they said, Hanukkah's coming up. Hanukkah's coming up. And, and when Hanukkah comes up, um, what do all the Jews do? Hanukkah time, we light candles. And how many candles does even one Jew light in one menorah for the duration of Hanukkah? How many candles? With the shamish? 44. 
44. Okay? Without the Shamash, it's 36. With the Shamash, it's 44. So we had a... This is the guy... This is the hook guy. You're supposed to know the right answer. You, we can forgive. But you're supposed to know the right answers for the wrong answers. Anyway, no, you said four. Okay, whatever. All right, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna repeat it because we're on tape. Um, so the uh, kids are. So just one Julai Gomenar that's 44 candles over the entire the entire Hanukkah. Imagine it. There's millions of Jews lighting millions of candles, and then they, so they they said, can you imagine what kind of impact that's going to have on the on the um, environment? And global warming said, the, 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 this fellow did some research. He said, look, the halacha happens to be that you can get away with lighting one candle each night of Hanukkah. You can reduce your carbon footprint from 44 candles to eight candles. Every Jew can knock it down from 44 to eight. Let's do our part for the environment. Let's show the world how much Jews really care about the environment. And let's start a movement that we're going to, instead of lighting 44 candles over Hanukkah, we're going to light eight candles, one candle per night over the duration of Hanukkah. And we'll have a beautiful Hanukkah. And what could be a more beautiful Hanukkah than a Hanukkah that allows us to reduce carbon emissions and, and uh, the impact of the environment. Now, Needless to say, in the from circles, this did not really take off, didn't, didn't, didn't uh, catch on. And uh, where is this coming from? It's coming, well, I don't know if this is coming from someone who thinks the world is a scary place. This is, kind of, this is a very trafe crim idea, obviously. This is coming from the people that we call the self-despising Jews, the people that see that, that halacha is at odds with, with, with um, the halacha is at odds with world harmony and world order. That, that Judaism is a threat. We have to be, uh, you know, apologetic. We have to try to figure out how to work Judaism around what uh, you know is well known, and and, and uh, you know we're, we're on the guilty end of things. If you're coming as a religious Jew, you automatically start off with a cant against you, and and, and uh, let's figure out a way to do to observe Judaism by being still environment friendly. And yes, we also care about the environment, and as we know that there are certain backwards, barbaric things that are going in Judaism, but we can adjust that. We can adjust that, take care of the environment. So, I don't know, this is not, this is, this is, uh, I just brought it because Hanukkah's around the corner, and because we're talking about reducing carbon emissions, and this is such a heartwarming story that I remember. If anyone else, uh, anyone ever read about this? this? is crazy people out there. Anyway, Mamish Meshugayim. It's like a cattle What? It's like cattle with their gas. Right? That's right. That's right. Crazy. Anyway, um, and these same people that are trying to get us to reduce our Hanukkah candles from 48, 40, 44 candles to knock it down to 8 candles over Hanukkah to reduce our carbon um, footprints, our carbon emissions. How many cars do these people own, right? So you're trying to tell me I shouldn't light 44 candles over the course of Hanukkah because if we could get millions of yen to reduce from 44 candles to 8 candles, imagine there will be such a Kiddush Hashem, tikkun, tikkun Olam. Tikkun Olam will make the world such a, will reduce our carbon emissions. And these people, you know, exactly, how, many, how much beef are they consuming with all the, you know, the methane that's reducing the ozone layer? And how many cars are they what driving? Kind of are and what kind of cars are they driving? And you're telling me that I'm the problem because I'm lighting 44 candles over Hanukkah and I have to make my 44 candles into 8 candles. Okay. They breathe also because they breathe out carbon dioxide. They breathe out carbon dioxide, that's right. That's right. They're polluting right. the environment. And when they breathe in, they're, 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 they're stealing oxygen from all people that really need the oxygen more than they do. Right? The, the people that are... Uh... <laughs> yeah, anyway. So the kids are coming, coming, coming full circle over here. Um, the Rebbeinu Shalaylam created something called Rai, created something called Chayshech, but not for Chayshech to become so powerful that it will destroy the Bria. He's saying, giving us two 
very, very significant ideas over here. A, that if Chayshech indeed would, would have no check to its power, if Tumah, if Ra, would have no natural limitations, conceivably it could reach the point that it could become out of control and, and um, have full authority, have full authority over, over humanity, over mankind, and have total power. Rab Etzim could have had such a such 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 an ability, um, and B, the Rebbeinu Shalaylam puts so to speak an artificial cap on that, artificial in the sense that Ra could have by nature have ha, ha, have had an existence where it could have total authority and have all of humanity in its way. The Rebbeinu does not allow that. Rebbeinu Shalaylam put a natural check. It's like again uh, uh, a a the biggest bomb still only having a certain range. And, and the biggest bomb in the world is a place I can go where that bomb is not going to reach me. That bomb is not going to affect me. The, 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 the most, um, you know, rapid-fire, high-power rifle can, has, has limited reach and has a limited range. Ra, evil, has a limited reach and has a limited range. And that's a cap that Akash Baruch Hu put on there. And again, the third point in this if it wouldn't have had that, that, that natural point, that natural cap, it would have perhaps have become necessary for HaKadosh Baruch Hu to destroy the Bria once again and make it re- recreate, destroy and recreate because a Bria that, is, that hits um, point zero that reaches the baseline of total submission to Ra is a Bria that cannot be mended anymore, a Bria that cannot be repaired. Um, to, for a Bria to have hope to be, to be salvaged, it has to always have a, a lifeline of some kind of connection to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, some kind of anchor that, that um, keeps it connected on some level to Hashem. If there's a total disconnect, a total disconnect, then that Bri is now beyond hope. Um, okay, so this is, this is getting us a, a step closer. Again, there's a, a number of steps that I'm going to build up. To present us Monsieur Snefesh, that will Mizashem come next week, and with this we'll wrap up this week and wish everyone a good Shabbos. Shabbos. And Shabbos. everyone should have a wonderful Shabbos. We will Mizashem continue.